Hey, and welcome to the Clocked In Creative, a podcast for creatives in business made by creatives in business. Brought to you by the University of Georgia here in beautiful Athens, Georgia. I am your host, Seth Hendershot, and we are coming to you from the creative hub of the Southeast, the classic city, Athens, Georgia, in conjunction with students and faculty of the New Media Institute and Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia. Today's topic is creating business contracts. Business contracts, scary stuff. And joining us to guide us through these murky waters is an expert in the field and one of my favorite Athenians, entertainment lawyer, Burtis Downs. Burtis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Seth. Good to be here. For our listeners, before we get started talking about this particular topic, you could give us a little background on yourself. Uh, Background on myself is I um, came to Georgia, not for college, but to go to law school. I was uh, from the suburbs of Atlanta, DeKalb County, and I ended up in Athens, Georgia in 1978, right out of college, started law school, graduated three years later. Uh, During that time, I was a fan and a friend of uh, the REM guys and ended up, did two things early on. I I taught at the law school, uh, actually for a number of years, but I also uh, represented REM, um, helped them with some early contracts, uh, with some their career, taking what they did as musicians and uh, helping translate that to the world of, uh, of the music business and getting the music out there. Nice. So that's been my main focus for a long time, ever yeah. since I, you know, since the early 80s when uh, I was getting out of law school and they were starting to really be a, a going concern as a business as well as a band. Right, right. And even though they broke up officially 10 years ago this, this month, um, oh, really? No, 10 years ago in September, sorry, 10 years ago this year. Um, there's still a business, and there's still um, quite a few things to do, so sure. I'm still involved with that. We have a staff, small staff of people that help out on all that. There's still millions of fans, I'm sure. Yeah, there are lots. Yeah, yeah. and like still selling merch and doing things like that. Yeah. Well, if we had a podcast about uh, awesome dudes hanging out with awesome rock bands, you would also be fit for that. But this one is a business podcast, uh, which, you know, obviously pertains to making art your business and business your art. And uh, this particular topic you have some uh, specialty in. Uh, You taught a class in business contracts. Is that right? Well, I taught a class at the law school um, on entertainment law. So most of my teaching at the university has been in the law school. And it was a class that I taught for about 20 years on entertainment law, um, which involved a lot of contracts. In fact, I would say the primary focus of it was the various kinds of contracts that um, artists, I always tilted it toward musicians because there was a lot of interest on that from the students. And that's what I had the most experience in. But we covered a wide range of entertainment industries and performers and authors and um, so, yeah, uh, I also have taught some at the Terry College in the music business school, but oh, that's nice. been on much more on a spot basis. I've never actually had a class there. I've gone and done uh, as a guest lecturer, or been sure. on panels, that kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. We have some key points here to this podcast that we want to hit, but um, what's the first thing you come out of the box talking about? Like, what's what do you like to impart in your students first? Like, you know, it's really, I should have gone back and found my notes from the very first class, you know, you know. Yeah. Once you've, once you've done it a few times, you have certain themes you hit. But I, I would sure. say when I was putting some thoughts together for what we were going to talk about today, one thing that um, we would be reading all these cases about, you know, disappointments and expectations or people not doing what they said they would do or what are the damages in this. And these are cases that actually got to a trial and actually resulted in a usually an appeal, which is why you're sitting there reading the case. And it, it kind of underscores the point that, when you do contracts, 
um, the same contract is going to have to govern whether the thing is a massive success, which is unlikely, mm -hmm. a complete failure, which is possible, <laughs> or somewhere in between, yeah. which is more normal. Right. Most and people. so whether it's a record contract, a publishing contract, um, a live performance contract, all kinds of disasters can happen, and it's got to kind of anticipate those things. But you know, the same contract has got to govern regardless. You don't have you don't have the crystal ball to know how that particular scenario is going to work out. Who's going to do what? Who's going to cheat or who's going to uh, breach? Sure. Uh, but what you do have is the ability to say, as much as you can uh, do so in a contract, to to say how will the dispute go how will right. it be decided regardless of what the outcome is and that's that's a challenge for a lawyer it's a challenge putting that together right sure and then you put an artistic person and a person with you know creative uh, a creative uh, centered brain and and throw this legal jargon in front of them on a piece of paper and I think it gets really intimidating and a lot of people avoid even thinking about it, especially if they're in business with, like if you're talking about a partnership contract or something like that, if you're in business with your friends, what could possibly go wrong? Right. Right. So, so the, the, the question always uh, bears asking, like, when do you start thinking about those, um, those contracts and, and which ones do you think about? Like, when does that come up? Is that right off the bat or later in? Or? Uh, you know, I'd say somewhere in between. It's probably not right off the bat because certain things are kind of covered by law, whether whether you actually have a contract saying it or not. For instance, if you write a song with somebody, you both have a copyright in it right then, right when you wrote the song. Right. Whether it's been registered or not, should be registered. Sure. There should be some kind of agreement that reaches to the split of shares, that sort of thing. Uh, if you start performing with people you're, and, and you're splitting the money, you know, at the end of the night or on a monthly basis or however, then you are a de facto partnership. Right. Should it be formalized at some point? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. are, are there um, reasons to go ahead and do that once you start actually making some money? Yeah, and when you can afford to hire a lawyer or know a lawyer that can help you go through that. But um, you, you bring up an interesting point, which is just the business organization. How do you constitute yourself as a business organization, especially when there's more than one person, when it's a collective of people? Right. And that is important to get done when there's really not that many stakes mm -hmm. because uh, later on, once uh, there's money, once there are obligations, once there are further contracts being signed, it's good to know, are you a partnership? Are you a corporation? Are you a limited liability right. company? There are tax ramifications to all that. And this kind of comes under the rubric and we, um, we talked about this a lot in entertainment law and sometimes when I'm uh, talking at the, uh, at the Music Business School of developing good business habits early in a career. Right. And that is working with accountants, keeping track of expenses, um, paying taxes, mm -hmm. um, doing those sorts of things. I mean, it, it seems like something that might be kind of arcane and maybe you wouldn't have to worry about it if you were a band, but if you're going out, of, if you're employing people on your road crew, even if it's just one or a couple, um, you gotta have workers' comp insurance. And yeah. workers' comp insurance is something that you know, you might get by with never having it, but I wouldn't advise it because if, if you don't, and if, you know, something happens, somebody gets hurt while they're working for you, there are going to be problem. ramifications for that. It could be a real problem. So I'd say that certainly earlier is better than later. Um, and the other thing I would say is that often artists, once they start to happen, people are asking them to sign contracts. Right. Here. Sign this. Ruffled paper. <laughs> sign this. And at that point, you sure don't want to sign things without having somebody who's got probably more experience than you do um, 
look over it and give some suggestions, I would say. So it's often more in a reactive mode uh, once you start performing and kind of having any kind of an interest in you, and all of a sudden there's managers, there's record companies, there's publishing companies. And those contracts, even when you're um, young and you know, impressionable, uh, they can really come back, they can really matter. They oh, can yeah. really, you know, major rights can get transferred years just on later. that one signature. And a lot of famous people now went through years of unpleasantness uh -huh. uh, dealing with uh, with those sorts of things that they signed very early in their career. And then as far as uh, specificity of contracts, like what, what's important to know about all the different types of contracts, whether it's a partnership or, um, I mean, it could be a, a vendor contract or, or, you know, contracts with your, with your crew. Um, well, I think, it, again, I'm going to answer this through the prism more of representing mu musical artists, sure, musicians. Sure. But some of this may apply to playwrights. Some of it may apply to authors. Some of it may apply to filmmakers. But usually there's going to be somebody in a representational capacity, somebody who's a manager, a business manager, an attorney. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of live performance, an agent who is who is much more versed on the business itself and therefore on the vocabulary that's used, the labels, um, the way things are calculated, you know, something that, you know, looks like some kind of other language other than English that you're trying to figure out what's that mean. Somebody can say whether that does make sense, whether that's kind of between the lines, whether that could be negotiated for a more advantageous split or a more advantageous term. Almost always contracts that get offered at the beginning are first drafts right. and they're expected to have some pushback it's you know at least in the olden days it was sort of like buying a car i mean these days i guess buying a car is much more like you know this is what it costs and that's that yeah, but do it on the computer <laughs> yeah yeah now it's an app right uh, the advantage of a contract is it sets forth the expectations who does what uh how is the payment made uh what's the split how long do the rights last? Where does it apply? It's just, you know, depending on what the contract is, all these various specific terms. And sometimes the artist just picks all that stuff up. It becomes second nature to them. Maybe they just want to do it themselves. Sure. But generally, once a certain level of success is reached, there's going to be a trusted advisor in one or more of those capacities right. that has the experience and has this relationship of trust that can advise on uh, what makes sense and what can what can be negotiated right some legal professionals definitely warn against but how do you feel about these like legal zoom type websites and like downloading templates and things like that and sort of tailoring the contract to your specific needs is that serve uh just just as valid purpose as having someone professionally draw something up or are you like stay away, stay well, away from the online stuff um I don't have a you know hard and fast rule on that. I mean, I would tend to say that having somebody who can look over the contract, knowing your specifics, not just. I think there may be a false sense of security right. of just filling in the blanks. Sure. You know, would you? What is actually a better test of somebody's um, thinking and critical uh, analysis abilities? An essay test or a fill in the blank or a matching? You know? right. I, I would say for me. I'd like to know, you know, ask a hard question, see how they respond in a few paragraphs or a couple yeah. of pages. Uh, and I feel like what you just re referenced, maybe it's okay, and maybe it gets, you get by until there's a problem. Right. And then you're going to really wish that there'd been an actual custom job done sure, by sure. an attorney who knew what they were doing. And 
So yeah, we had Michelle Davis on talking about uh, IP, and she she was sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah, nah, yeah. The I think no that's probably not <laughs> not the way to go if you can if if you can avoid it. Right. Um, I will mention a couple of good sources. There's um for people who are tuning in right now and are interested in this. I was going to mention this at some point, and you kind of prompted that. Um, and all three of these have their strong points. One is Don Passman wrote a book called, again, for musicians, uh, All You Need to Know About the uh, Music Business. Pretty oh, yeah. easy title. It's, uh-huh. it's, been, it's been out now since the early 90s, but he updates it every three years. Oh, that's so awesome. it never gets out of date. I think it's in its 10th edition. It's been, it's been around 30 years. It's a very, very good book. Uh, we've done some work with Don. He's a, 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 one of the best entertainment lawyers there is. Uh, there's also a new... Uh, book coming out this fall by uh, another guy who used to run the Future of Music Coalition where Michelle used to work. Oh, yeah. uh, she interned up in D.C. you know, eight or ten years ago. Oh. And his name is Casey Ray. He wrote a book on music copyright, The Essential Guide for the Digital Age. Oh, um, okay. And that's coming out. So that is for, for issues of copyright and streaming and sync rights and those sorts of things. Again, not necessarily saying the person needs to learn all that and then go out and do it if they're trying to also be an artist, right. but at least to have the basic understanding of it a and to have yeah. to have the foundation, yeah, is is to me a good thing. So both of those I would recommend. Yeah, yeah, that's it's cool that there are so many resources for people to self educate at this point in time. Like, uh, I don't, it's it's a different world we live in, um, and and with sustainability too. Like the more the more self education you. Uh, take on yourself I think the longer your business whatever it is if you're a songwriter or you know culinary artist or a filmmaker or a fashion designer to keep doing what you're doing for as long as you can or want to contracts can help in in that regard I would imagine yeah if your main thing is to write songs or to be a great chef then you better keep writing good songs and creating great dishes right but our contracts are part of that not in the not in the creative sense, no, but in the business sense, yes. Right. So I do think that in terms of sustainability as a business, I mean, um, it it is a big part of it, absolutely. Right. And and tailoring contracts for like you know a longer like uh, I, I keep going back in my head. I keep going back to leases, lease agreements, and a five year, and the ten year, and the thirty year, which is kind of a contract and between you and, and a yeah, yeah, yeah between you and a landlord. Similarly, in in a like a partnership agreement, two songwriters or something, are there like terms? Are there limits? Like, can two two co-writers uh, have a like you know we're gonna well I guess they wouldn't share a song for a number of years, but as far as their uh, partnership agreement, or as far I as mean, like uh, how long they want to stay together, a, a contract can go as long. I mean, a contract can specify whatever terms people agree to sure, sure sure i mean that's the limit on what it can do unless there are illegal terms i mean there can be examples i guess of where a contract uh, requires the commitment of a crime or something and that would be you know against public policy or something <laughs> there are reasons that con- contractual terms could be or antitrust there there can be some ways that contracts violate the law but generally a contract can go you started to talk about five-year ten-year like on leases but that's something that that in contracts especially when you start dealing with record labels, when you start dealing with uh, publishers. I would imagine in the film industry there would be examples of this too, is the concept of options. Right. And that is that with some success, whoever has, if, if there's two sides of the, of the equation, there's 
the people creating the work and then there's the people funding the work. Mm-hmm. Well, the people funding the work are taking the initial risk that it's going to be a, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to, it's going to be something that's a dud, you know, that nobody's going to care about. And so they want to limit their risk. But then if all of a sudden there's an upside and it, it gets hot, they want to be able to say, okay, we'd like another one of those, please. Uh, and that was already negotiated in the first contract. They've, they've got a plus one option or a plus five year option or again, whatever both sides want to agree to is the way that'll end up going. Um, but it's certainly not something that, that just being a, a small example, but uh, it's not something you'd want to sign without legal, legal representation and probably not from a website with fill in the blank, you know, as Michelle said. If you were teaching a class of you know, creatives in business and you were teaching this particular subject, what do you think the most important point, key point uh, would be to convey to a class of, you know, artists trying to go into business, like like legitimately trying to set up their own LLC or partnership or whatever. Like what what do you what would you want to drive home? What would be the most important thing for them to take away from the class? The most important thing is to continue doing their art. Right. At a, you know, if they've got a bunch of good songs, write a bunch of really good songs yeah. again. You know, write don't be satisfied. Don't you know, don't think that a few good songs is gonna get you all that far. Just yeah. you know, you're you're when they're young, especially, nothing against people that aren't as young as they used to be. But when you're, they're young, there's a certain creative burst that just you know, seems to be true in any era, mm-hmm. um, any genre. Uh, keep it going, you know. Yeah. But then on the uh, business side of things, we've touched on them already, but just to summarize, self-educate. You certainly don't want to be, you know, some artists, and I guess they have the right to do this, um, don't want to deal with any of the nitty gritty of sure. business, but most want to understand and the, the big picture, the ecosystem um, and their resources. We've mentioned a couple of them here. And then um, in time, uh, start working with people on your management team, that can, whether agent, business manager, personal manager, attorney, some combination of those people, probably not your first day as a band, but depending on how things go with success and contracts and and um that kind of uh uh career building yeah. that has to be a part of it yeah. that the, the professional guidance so that it's not only in your hands and so that there's a good foundation laid so that like if you develop those business habits early they will stand you in good stead years later because yeah. you've always been filing your taxes you've right. always kept up with your expenses you've always carried workers comp and other kinds of insurance those are really important things to have as a business and instead of having it be when you hit some success and go oh what's all this stuff we never really dealt with it's hard together. to kind of catch up <laughs> at that point so yeah. started started as early as you can yeah stay ahead of it that's awesome yeah well Bertus, i uh, surely appreciate you coming down and talk to us about this um i really hope uh, the listeners, I'm sure they will get a lot out of it, and I hope uh, you enjoyed yourself. Hey, it was fun, Seth. I- I- anytime I get to talk to you, it's always a pleasure. And well, uh, this is a subject I've, uh, I've, I used to teach a few, like 13 weeks of entertainment law, and we hit a lot of the high points today. So I, you're, you're a very good interlocutor. I appreciate the questioning, and uh, uh, I hope it was able to add to it. Wow, absolutely. Well, hopefully, we'll get to talk to you again soon. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks.
Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Clocked In Creative, brought to you by the University of Georgia here in beautiful Athens, Georgia. For more information on the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Clocked In Creative or go to our website, theclockedincreative.com. For more episodes, find us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, this is Seth Hendershot signing off. Remember to stay creative, stay humble, keep learning, and never give up. Bye, y'all.